This is Wildfire, the B2B Under 30 podcast on MarketScale. Here, B2B's youngest stars share the ideas, concepts, and innovations that are catching fire in the fastest growing markets. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and on today's Wildfire Sports and Entertainment episode, we are joined by Justin Lee, West Coast rep for Idea Machine Studio. Justin, like many of the young professionals in the workforce today, grew up watching some of the most innovative cartoons that relaunched the animation world from its slump. He also grew up with the meteoric rise of online and social connectivity, living through middle and high school during the release of the first iPhone and tuning into the birth of Facebook. Now, Justin's utilizing these two generational staples to stand out with niche content in an animation world that's struggling with effective communication. Justin, how are we doing today? Hey, hey, doing good. Thanks for having me on, Daniel. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, I, I love animation, and I feel like there isn't enough content out there that just analyzes the state of animation in general. I feel like we get a lot of movie reviews, maybe, about animated movies, but we don't get a lot from the animators themselves. Sure. I feel like a lot of their work goes unnoticed um, behind the scenes, so I'm really excited to dive in and get your take on things. But before we get into the meat of the podcast, I definitely want to know what brought you into the animation industry in general. Um, I feel like for a lot of these kinds of creatives, um, filmmaking is really the aspect of animation Mm -hmm. that gets people attracted to it. You know, creating something for an art form or, you know, for film, for television, something like that. You know, I, I doubt that animators hop into it to create content for brands, um, but, you know, that pays and you can still be just as creative and just as influential creating content for brands, which is sure. what you're doing now. So I want to know what brought you into that. And, you know, as you got into the space, um, was it difficult you know, getting into a creative space like filmmaking or animating, because I know personally I, I felt a lot of naysaying from people that, oh, are you really going to get paid getting into that field? So, you know, it, it can be tough. So, yeah, I just want to get your take. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, it's funny because I've always had this creative bone in my body growing up. You know, I was that kid who was always getting bad grades in school and I took you know, I had some extracurriculars in art and it just felt like that was a direction I was going to go. And no matter what I did, uh, it would be from a more creative background. So I went to school, I majored in film. Um, and you know, I really just fell in love with it. And through majoring in film, I found myself being really ambitious and really wanting to work with you know, the best of the best. And I got really lucky in getting some amazing internships. That's really opened my eyes about, you know, what this industry can be. You know, my first internship was with Tool of North America, which is a really huge production facility in Los Angeles. And they do anything from your million dollar bill, uh, Super Bowl commercial to, you know, your regular broadcast spots. I know that they're really pushing innovation these days by doing, you know, VR content as well and kind of branching out and becoming more of an agency. Uh, and I also worked with small production companies that did feature films, uh, like killer films and they've been around forever and they've did films like kids. Uh, Kill Your Darlings, Far From Heaven with some really notable, uh, actors and actresses and um, have built a really strong relationship there. And that kind of just 
gave me more insight on the business background and the back end of creating a movie without, you know, maybe physically being on set, you know, just kind of what happens behind the, the scenes um, and those conversations. And I kind of gravitated towards that, uh, in, especially in jobs that I got after graduating as well, where I was really working on the back end of a production. What goes into... Um, making a deal happen, what makes a client say, yeah, I think I want an animation video or I want a 30 second broadcast spot. And I've really kind of fostered my uh, career um, behind the scenes in those type of conversations. Yeah, I, I love that is finding any way to get yourself into the industry that you're most excited about. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, you know, I, I think that's that's the core is finding something that you care about and then really putting yourself out there to make it happen no matter what. I think I think that's something that we see a lack of nowadays is a lot of people have, you know, really, really big aspirations, but sometimes that uh that work ethic or that resourcefulness, you know, trying to find any way to get in there and get scrappy with the kind of stuff you make to make those connections, um, you know, there, there might be a disconnect there. Yeah, it's kind of fun and exciting to be here. You know, I mean, if you think about it, there's so many kids these days who can pick up a camera, learn about that, you know, learn about their DSLR camera and say, hey, I shot this short film. I'm going to go make it big and I'm going to make it in Hollywood and get a job, you know, being a producer or director at Netflix or Amazon or Lionsgate. And, uh, and they go to film school and then they, they go through that and you just learn how many people have that aspiration to be a film director, but really, and in, you know, including my, including myself, I want to be the next Wes Anderson. I really followed his like career path. Like, Oh, okay. I'm going to make this, right. I'm going to make the next bottle rockets. I'm going to graduate college. And then I'm going to get a million dollar contract to, you know, direct my, my first feature. And then my life's going to be perfect, but life doesn't work that way. And as you, you know, kind of break through the industry, I just learned that I have more of a talent for having conversations with people and having a conversation with what they need and, you know, pitching them creative that's, and then there's not a lot of people who do that on the brand commercial side, uh, in the production industry. Um, so it's, it's just kind of where I found my niche and where I found comfort and where I find that I can provide people value is, you know, to help creatives meet brands and help them get paid doing what they love and help brands, you know, find really, really great creatives to work with them on stuff. So it's, it's just kind of a niche market. And I've found that, you know, it's, it's a unique skill to have. And, you know, the more I, I move through this industry, the more appreciative I am of, of having this background. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like with a production studio in general, maybe, um, maybe some of the issues within the whole space are that it just remains constant that people sort of associate a production studio with being just that, um, being just a production studio and hoping for your big movie break or your big animation break on a television show and maybe missing out on some of those paying, you know, customers that are out there looking for creative animations, looking for that creative energy to spice up their brands. So, you know, what have you seen since you've been in the whole space that feels a bit outdated in the production and animation industry? Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, I've worked for production studios that are flourishing. They, you know, are making tens to a hundred million a year. 
to, you know, production studios that are really struggling, just trying to make their ends meet. You know, how can I pay my employees? And really, I think the difference between that and what is going to continue to change the production industry is sometimes I think the production industry is extremely old school. There's not been a lot of innovation in the world that, you know, we live in. You know, a lot of times it's just a creative director or a director saying, you know what, I'm a director. I did this. I'm going to shoot some commercials for brands with my awesome creative energy. And I have a really great crew and we're just going to make it happen. And yeah, that works. But then what you do is you hop on what I call the struggle bus and you're just kind of on this bus waiting for your next job and you're constantly stressing out and you're wondering why your clients don't hit you up. And the thing is, you know, creativity is good. Your content is good, but it can only get you so far. And I think to really innovate yourself as a production studio is to be more than just, you know, a production studio that shoots like commercials and um, you know, it's really thinking about your client in the 360 point of view. You know, when you shoot, uh, you know, let's say you're a small, medium business production studio and you're shooting a small spot for, you know, a small, medium sized business, you really want to think about not just the content that you're shooting, but also, you know, where this piece of content is going to be living and where this piece of content is on a 360 picture scale, you know, are they just putting it on their website, hoping for customers to come by and, you know, learn about their product? No, that doesn't really work out. You really have to, you know, think about a distribution plan, partner with different influencers within your client's industry. You know, um, if I'm working with a fashion brand, uh, a small fashion brand, and I'm shooting a piece of content and they just want to put it on their website, you know, as a fashion film, that's great and all, but it's really not doing much for my client as a brand, you know, and that's something I could recommend is partnering with ABC Celebrity um, who could feature in the film and, you know, maybe package it as a deal as well. You know, instead of doing one video, maybe we can do three smaller videos at the same cost and have a better distribution plan for them as well there. And then they can release it to their different consumers. You know, I think that production studios are just really thinking about, okay, I'm going to shoot this piece of content uh, and this is going to be good. And this is the budget that I have and it's going to be great. And we get to use this camera trick, but they don't really think about how it's going to live online. And they don't really think about the legacy of their piece of content um as a whole you know and that's where they're losing you know that's where all the old school people are losing and that's where all the new school people are winning you know a lot of the best production companies i see are also media companies as well you know they have a platform with one or two million followers on youtube and then they can offer that to their clients as well so they can package production they can package distribution and talent management as well so just having you know kind of different verticals and having a really keen understanding of where you are in your space really just makes you a little bit more successful and why do you think that there hasn't been as much active change to adapt content um for a more digitally centric audience because i feel like you know we're getting to the point where this isn't really new anymore you know it's not new and fresh to be to be online to be making sure that you are thinking about your digital legacy and the way that you put your content out um you know twitter's been around for a long time facebook has been around for a long time um instagram even and so yeah, i feel like maybe there's a disconnect there why why do you think it's taken so long for people to catch on 
I guess it's scary, you know, change is scary and it's really hard to figure this out because there's not, you know, you go to film school and you learn about the theory of making a film, you learn about the technical ways of making a film, but you don't really realize you're not really prepped for this. We're all kind of just making things up as we go, you know? So it really is scary to make these shifts and changes, especially from a production studio point of view, you know? Um, how a production studio gets commissioned for jobs is is one of two ways a brand can reach out to the production studio directly and say hey we want to shoot this commercial here's our idea what can you bring to the table or a brand will work with like an ad agency such as like bbdo or or olga v or wyden kennedy and they will come up with a strategy and then reach out to you guys the production studio and ask you guys to implement creative you know and the production studio just really has a film background or a production background but not much of a marketing background so you're almost at a loss for what to do um when it comes to the changing environment it's just really scary and that's why it's been really rough on a lot of different production studios these days uh especially live action studios um that are shooting live action work because it's really hard for them to find uh you know new projects new clients and a job now because they're lacking in in creating a platform for their clients you know they're they're lacking in in a way of being different you know another way to to thrive as a production studio is just to really find your niche um idea machine the studio that i'm currently representing has doubled in revenue and we hit our first one million dollar month which is really big for us considering you know, two years ago, we were maybe doing 2.5 to $3 million in revenue. And now we're on track to do six within one or two years of growth. That's crazy, man. Yeah, it's it's congrats. Thank you. It's kind of insane. Um, but I think the reason we do that is we also find a niche in our work. Um, we're doing... Uh, we're, we're doing the budgets between 2,500 to 20,000 per minute of animation, which by the way, is a very competitive cost for an animation piece, um, depending on what you're looking for. And we just provide the most and as much value as we can in developing these types of animations within these budget ranges. We don't try to be less than we are. We don't try to be more than we are. And we're completely transparent about who we are. And I think this kind of client servicing is also really good. Um, for keeping repeat clients and also getting new clients interested in the work that we do, you know, um, we're also utilizing technology and uh, to, to kind of be on the front of everything. And we're always trying and testing out different initiatives um, that will help us, you know, be in front when the client is is looking for potential animation as well. So it's just it's just kind of um, thinking about you know a 360 picture about you know how you're going to do things. It, that's really interesting that you mentioned the pricing and being so upfront with it because pricing, especially in animation, is such a difficult task to buckle down. Like, mm -hmm. for example, I know this isn't quite what you're doing, but I read this article about the animation that went into Black Panther, 
the movie, and um, it was basically saying that, mm-hmm. you know, I, I remember watching it and thinking, hmm, some of this CG isn't quite as crisp as I remember a lot of other blockbusters being. Like, there's some moments where I can definitely tell this is CG, and this is, you know, Marvel Studios. You'd think they have that on lock, but uh-huh. I read an article that basically said the expectations for animators are so high, and the pay is so low, and the time is so limited that, and the resources are lacking. You know, they're not giving, the production studios are almost outnumbered. Um, They're given so much heavy task work and they don't have the people, the resources, the money, the time to pump out this content at the speed that the film studios want them at, that you start getting lackluster work. And I feel like that is a, that's an issue maybe with an animation that the communication between the people providing the content and the people receiving the content have some sort of disconnect. You know, they don't, someone there isn't fully understanding how long this is going to take, how much they deserve for pay and how many people are going to be required for it. And then things get, um, you know, things get disproportionately messed up yeah yeah that's i mean that's that's a huge problem that i see uh every on day to day you know i'm kind of the person in the middle where i have to communicate with the artists and i have to communicate with the executives at the brands or the or the studio in regard in regards to their animation work you know like um but it's it's just a tricky conversation to have because you know from a creative point of view i would imagine animators have a really hard time coming up with you know what they're going it's just it's a really it's really difficult to estimate sometimes because essentially it's asking someone to draw something on paper and asking them verbatim like how long is that going to take you to draw right how long is that going to take you to asset to to animate and you really only just have an estimate and sometimes for really grand projects such as black panther or even the incredibles it's really really difficult to estimate you know, how much manpower or, you know, that you, that you really need, you know, for us, you know, a client comes to us and say, I have this budget and I want this and I have to kind of communicate to them. Well, it's going to, if you really want this quality look, it's going to be this cost because of X, Y, Z reasons. And you also have to give us more time, you know, more money doesn't mean, uh, a better outcome always, you know, sometimes it means just giving the artist time to really work on that piece that they want to create for you. You know, the more time that they can spend with a piece, the more detail they can put into it, the more complexity. And that's just something that you want to consider and communicate, uh, to anyone, you know, and when you, when you're looking for creative, you just want to make sure that your creative partners really are comfortable in, in, in making that. It's kind of like um, hiring a new employee. You want to take time in sourcing the right partner, making sure that they understand the messaging. And then when they go into implementation of, you know, your work or, or the animation that, you know, that everyone's on the right track and everyone's on the same page, you know, it's really important to, to have a process based uh, work. You know, that's why animation is produced in processes. It's not like you give someone direction, they go on, they, they'll see, they'll, they'll give you something in five weeks. There's always a, a point of check-in to make sure that everyone's comfortable and understands, you know, what they're getting at the end. And it's, you know, it goes back to just transparency and just making sure that everyone knows what they're getting into and just being completely transparent about everything. Yeah. I mean, because on your end, you don't want to, you don't want to just 
pray and hope that, oh, wow, well, this is such a big client or this is such a cool animation that, yeah, we'll just agree to this at this price and this time frame because we'll probably be able to push it out. And then you reach that date. and Which, by the way, sometimes happens. Yeah. And then, and then like, you, you reach that date and it's like, oh, God, I, I'm really not going to be able to meet this. Why did I agree to this? Like, I, I should have been more more open and honest to the client is like, hey, we'd love to work with you, but we're going to need this much time or we're going to need this much pay to make it happen. We hope that doesn't turn you off to working with us, but that's just the reality of it. And I think at the end, you know, that's that's quality uh, business advice is just be upfront and honest. And even if they're maybe not happy with okay, this is going to take a little longer or, wow, this is a little more expensive than I was imagining, then they at least know you're being upfront about it. The quality is going to be a little better. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, I mean, I think that's what gets a lot of production studios in trouble, right? You know, let's say you're a production studio and you're not really finding a lot of work and an opportunity comes across your lap, you know, an opportunity that's going to sink or swim your studio. And it's a really hard ask. and they, they, but they have the budget for it, and but you, you're just not confident that you can deliver. But you really need the job in order for your studio to survive. You basically sell them in on it, and you take that project, and then at the end, you don't, you're, you're kind of holding this, this double-edged sword. Yes, this project's going to feed you, but also you're not going to be able to deliver the quality your client is hoping for because you weren't able to communicate um, with them because. You just really needed that project and you would use, you said anything to win it. But in my experience, usually that transparency is the best. We actually just came off a situation like that. We just got commissioned a pretty large five episode series with a fortune 500 company, a top 10 company actually. And, you know, we asked for eight weeks and they really only had three. So it just kind of came down to the conundrum where, well, okay, with three weeks, this is what you guys would receive, but we would really like eight weeks um, to produce this project. Uh, in the end, they ended up going with us anyway and having us produce at three weeks, but we managed their expectations and let them know they're not going to get the Incredibles, but they're going to get you know the best that we can do in that three week period, here it is. And just having that, you know, constant communication with them. Right. Of course. So the next thing I wanted to hit on is, is you mentioned earlier, um, that to really succeed in this space, you have to find a niche or really lock down a style or a brand that you want to push for. And I think that's really important too, especially because of the way people are consuming content is that they're consuming content in a really niche way. And so being a generalist, um, while it might get you more work on the front end, the quality of the of the content you create might not be as good as someone that focuses on just creating content for brands or just animating 3D or just animating in this sense or just animating for this kind of audience. Um, you know, what what's your take on that? On on really finding that niche craft or niche audience? And do you think that you know this younger generation is um, is really trying to push that into the mainstream for animation? You know, that's a really, really good question. You know, I think a lot of times as we, you know, under 30 people kind of go through everything, there's just a lot of talk about finding your brand, your personal brand. And I think for artists, for directors, and for even production studios, I think that means finding your voice. You know, um, if 
art comes in so many different forms and comes in so many different expressions. Um, and you know, like Wes Anderson, for example, has a very specific voice. Quentin Tarantino has a very specific voice, you know, and it can boil down to the individual artist. You know, sometimes a brand wants to reach a certain demographic that your voice is perfect for, you know, for instance, um, you know, Nike and Adidas, uh, are really pushing to capture a very specific demographic age group and demographic. And they really need people who can capture that age group and find in finding their voices. So, you know, I think if you are a director, don't just direct a general project to make clients happy, but also include your personal vision, your voice, and then someone will reach out, someone will see that and understand that you have a voice rather than just kind of a plain production. I think that's always better. Um, for us, you know, our, our niche is a little bit more, even more specific than that. We generalize, uh, from whiteboard animation. Whiteboard animation is a animation form where a hand goes up and draws on a whiteboard to illustrate a certain, uh, you know, illustrate a certain idea. Yeah. I, I love those. Yeah. It first got really popular via Ted talks. Um, and we became the, you know, I would say the, the market leader for that, at least for the, in the U S and that really just helped us grow. You know, a good example of one client that really grew with us with this was this client called audible. They used us and they created a small whiteboard animation. I believe at our, our lowest rate of 2,500 per minute. And we've just kind of fostered a really, really good relationship with them and just try to be the best at what we do. And eventually they grew with us and we got to really make a lot of interesting innovative trailers that helped our artists express their voice you know we did the handmaid's tale trailer we did the trailer for kevin hart's new auto uh, audiobook um Ooh, love it yeah and as well as you know the dr cats and they just really keep repeating giving us really great opportunities to do really good stuff for them because you know we have found our niche with them, you know? So that's, you know, and obviously they'll have different vendors and teams that do other different stuff for them. But when it comes to the right voice, the right tone and the right work, uh, that's that's when they reach out to us. And that's where we really foster our relationship. Yeah, and I mean, I bet they know that if you are the kings at a certain kind of animation, then the quality uh, is worth the weight or the the price point, especially if you're so upfront about it, which, you know, you've already said that you, you try to make that a mission of yours. Yeah, yeah. And it's just also just a general respect and transparency. It's also like from a human level, like they just like working with us, I would imagine, you know, because yeah. of our transparency and our, our ability to just really work for them. It's You kind of just build a relationship off of that. And then, you know, you all continue to work together. So it's just, it was just, you know, I think that voice helped us get that first touch in working with them. And then afterwards, it was really just, you know, really good client servicing as well. So it seems like you're spearheading a lot of movements within sort of a younger generation of animators. Mm -hmm. um, it, you know, you're, you're trying to really have that communication on lock. You are uh, really tapping into creating niche animations and appealing to an audience that is looking for um, that really specific kind of content. Why do you think that this generation, um, this younger generation of animators is maybe more able to, um, to bring that niche quality uh, and that 
really informed communication? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, that's a good question. I think you know what it, it, this kind of is a hard answer to give, but they have no choice. Yeah, if they don't provide a voice or a niche animation they're gone you know there's just there's and also like animation in a way like any anyone can create a motion graphics piece you know they spend a few a few minutes you know some time learning after effects and it's just such, such a competitive uh saturated market that if you don't really have a rule in a niche or you know you if you don't have your own specific voice you're done. You know, there's just, there's no work for you to do. And you're not going to be able to stand up against people who do have a very specific look, you know, that can provide to their clients. So that's essentially why studios are hiring different animators is because not because they can do the plain easy stuff, but also because they can bring something to the table. And I also think that's why clients are reaching out to studios. If you're a video production studio and you cannot provide feedback or you know if you can't bring something to the table that the clients or the agency hasn't thought about then you're not going to you're not going to win that job you know so it's just you know especially for jobs that matter you know if a client is going to spend a million dollars on their next super bowl commercial they're going to a studio that can bring uh, you know a very unique an interesting vision to the table that you know they might have not necessarily thought about and those are the people that they want to talk to um, so really, you know, I think for our younger generation, we have those ideas. I think, it, I think, I also think it just comes naturally to the, to artists, you know, is that they do have a voice to express. So it's not something that I think, you know, they have to foster. It's just something that they just have to be aware of and just, you know, be themselves really. Yeah, I think that's something that is hard to avoid in our social media age. I mean, everyone is tapped into everyone's doings. Yeah. So if you're not being authentic, um, then, you know, there's probably a disconnect there. People are going to be able to notice that. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree. So I feel like, um, you know, this younger generation of animators has a lot of advantages and is bringing some new stuff to the table. Um, but, I mean, have you noticed anyone else in our you know, new wave um, kind of struggling and why do you think uh, or what do you think those struggles are uh, and why? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, part of this new wave, this new energy of people are coming out. It's, I think, I think a lot of young people, especially animators who can do everything by themselves and get out of peace, they, they forget about collaboration and collaboration is such an important thing uh, for, for people to survive. You know, there's, you know, you want to, in order to really stand out, I think, uh, especially in the production industries that you really got to have, um, a lot of great conversations with people who do stuff that you don't do. You know, um, if you're an animator, um, maybe talk to a rep, you know, and, and get, you know, and showcase your work and just, you know, collaborate with that rep. And maybe that rep can bring you projects because a lot of, you know, they bring a different set of skills. They bring a lot of social and ability to negotiate on your behalf. Um, and that, that could be really important for you to find work. Um, you know, if you're, if you're a animator, maybe work with a influencer, you know, say, reach out to the influencer and say, Hey, you know what? I know I, I see that you have a huge following on Instagram. Um, and you also have a very set demographic for these type of people who have reached out to you. I would love to animate 
a 15 second piece for you on Instagram for free. And, uh, and just to help put your name out there, you know, um, and, and just kind of find ways that you can collaborate with different people in different, in interesting places. And then maybe through, you know, putting yourself out there and finding these different types of collaboration, um, you really find what works for you and then what doesn't. And I think as a young creative, you have the ability to do this because, you know, you're just, you really just want to work with everyone that you can until, until you kind of, you know, whittle down who your core people are. So I think it's really important for people to find the ability to collaborate with others and the ability to learn from other people. And if you're a young person, you can't do this, then, um, you know, it's going to be really hard for you, you know? And I think maybe that's why people are struggling is because they just don't have enough conversations with each other. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. You know, we live in such a world where we are having those conversations, um, but maybe they're not very authentic. And that's that's where the disconnect is. You know, we are so connected, but but it is having those honest conversations that is tough. We like to put on our facade, you know, or we we like to... Um, yeah. You know, we or or we're we're afraid to jump the gun a bit um and reach out to these people that seem like there's a big wall in front of them. Like they yeah. like all, like yeah. like you you almost can't like oh no, they're way out of my reach, they're way out of my league. There's no way that I'm going to be able to get them to and like to animate for them or something and almost an unembarrassment, especially with creatives. Like being um being a creative is so vulnerable. And putting your art out there and reaching out and being like, hey, I'd love to create something for you. You know, you always are kind of afraid. Maybe they'll look at your stuff and say, this guy sucks. You know what I mean? And like, you don't want to hear that. But, but it's, it's finding that yeah. balance of, of being confident. But what if you do suck? You know, right. like, that's really good. That's really good feedback. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. So just, just, take, just take that in and be better, you know. So that's just something that... You know, it's just really let go of, create the art that you, you love to create, but also let go of that ego. You know, there's so many creatives out there and there's so many good work out there that you can learn from, you know, and, you know, and I'll, I find that if you're going to offer, you know, I guess like 10 seconds, 15 seconds of free content, if you can offer that, I find it really, it's going to be in a rare case where people will say no to that. You know, I think worst case scenario is a no or they don't respond. No one's going to sue you. Right. No one's going to be like, stop reaching out to me or I'm going to subject you to a lawsuit. And, <laughs> you know, and maybe some, and then even if they are going to give you feedback in a really rare case, that's a good thing. You know, even if they say your work sucks, they're going to put it in a very constructive way because no, it's, it's, it's rare to meet people who are that mean. You can't really survive by, by being a jerk like that, you know? So, right. I, you know, I, I always encourage people to reach out. I think, and, and that's a really hard thing to do. I, I, I get it. Um, it's, but, you know, reaching out and cold calling and cold emailing and, you know, slipping into people's DMs, that stuff works. You know, you might have to do it more often, but it, it, it really does. And, um, you'll, you'll find some really, really amazing opportunities. And if you don't do it, I, th I really think you're missing out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree. I've had, I've had way too many things come through because I, just said, you know, screw it. I'm going to take the leap of faith. I'm going to do it, even if it's a bit scary, even if I think this person might completely ignore me. 
and they get back to you and say, hey, this seems cool. I'd love to collab or, you know, yeah, let's let's get on the podcast. Like this happened to me the other day. I I wanted to get Andy Weir, the guy who wrote The Martian on my science podcast. And oh, I was, wow. And I was like, I'm never going to get this guy on our podcast. But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to whatever. I'm just going to call his publicist and hopefully she gets back to me. And about a week later, she called me back up and was like, hey, yeah, we'd love to do this. Um, let's schedule some time for next week. So, you know, now I have Andy Weir coming on our podcast, which is. Oh, my God. Like, it's cool, right? Are you nervous? Yeah, I'm, I'm a little nervous. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's probably the biggest name that we've had on in a, in a while. But but yeah, I mean, it's it pays off. And I think our generation has both the luxury and the challenge of being so connected all the time. You know, we grew up with the technology. We're the ones that are ingrained in, you know, checking Twitter every day, checking Facebook every day, logging onto Instagram for the freshest content. And at the same time, while we are so connected, we also are afraid to make those first connections, you know, like beyond just the surface level of following someone is having those conversations sometimes online, the scary ones. Um, yeah, I think it's a unique, a unique issue that we're, we're really the ones that are facing it. And it's cool to see that, you know, it, you on an animation side are, are coming out on top, are really trying to have those authentic conversations and make sure that, um, that you set yourself apart from your cohorts. Yeah, you know, always learning and always just kind of moving forward and seeing what works and seeing what doesn't, you know, and just really putting yourself out there. And um, that's, you know, just always just trying to think about the best way to do something. You, you you look out and you see really cool people doing really awesome stuff and you just want to be a part of it. So you just reach out and try to make it happen for yourself. And I think for me, that's always just been kind of how I approached life in general, you know, I just saw people doing really good stuff. You know, I saw that this agency was doing really, really awesome work and I just did a cold call. And, you know, three months later, you're shooting a Cadillac commercial. Um, you're floating the new XT5 over the Hudson River on a helicopter. That's like really, really cool stuff. So it's just like, you know, just these opportunities, they come, they just, sometimes they just fall into your lap, but you just got to have enough activity out there to, to make that happen for yourself. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, I completely agree, man. So yeah, I, I, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast and giving us this insight as to how you're, you're trying to stand out in a, an industry that struggles a lot with communicating time, communicating price, um, and, you know, struggling to to find that niche and you are meeting all of those. You're communicating, you are um, setting right prices, you know, you're, you're, making the, you're making the job easy for the client and you're making it easy for yourself because you're buckling down on the things that you know your artists and you are good at. It, you know, yeah. being able to sort of self-analyze is hard sometimes. Um, so I, I, I appreciate that from you, man. So thank you so much for coming on, Justin. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on, Daniel. And thank you everyone for listening to today's episode of Wildfire. And if you'd like to listen to previous episodes or some of our other podcasts, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin. Till next time. Till next time.